do a little tight, right? We, I mean, I, I honestly, a little snippet on this shit right here ain't bad. I don't mind snippets, bro. Mm-hmm. Snippets. You got me? Yeah. You got me? You yes, remember that? Okay, then. What you mean snippet? Like, you know what I'm saying? A 30-minute snippet. Like a, it, it, sort of like a rant, but it ain't a rant. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Y'all listen to this shit. <laughs> Let the shit play. And like, yeah, what this motherfucker just said? Did y'all just catch that? <laughs> All right, y'all, and welcome to episode uh, 39 of the Fire This Time podcast. My right. name is Sonny Ture. I key the G in the house. You know what it is, y'all. And uh, we are here again, once again, to bring y'all that real, bring y'all that fire. You know, always usual, always on time. You know, we're trying to keep it grinding this year, stay, stay steady in the motion. Stay on fire while it's cold as shit in Illinois. Just to let y'all know that we got yeah. a little snowstorm. They talking about trying to come through here either tomorrow or next day, Wednesday. Yeah. You know, what so I'm we saying? had to bring that fire for y'all. Yeah, we got to bring your fire, warm y'all up over the, you know, what I'm saying the chilly time. You know, so uh, we got a just a few small topics to talk about today. We're gonna be talking about you know some political stuff, some uh, maybe I guess mainly political stuff, uh, but also some new research that came out. But uh, you said today is for fire for this week's fire. You said today is Jackie Robinson's birthday. Jackie Robinson's birthday. First African American player in the major leagues. Yeah, break the color line. You know what I'm saying? Uh, came from the Negro leagues. Um, I was more of a fan of South Page and them, but you know, uh, Jackie Robinson. He did a lot of. You know what I'm saying? He broke a lot of barriers. You know what I'm saying? Stayed wrong. He had to endure a lot. You know what I'm saying? The movie they did on him was beautiful because it showed what he had to endure playing for those teams, going through what he went through, you know. And there was a lot of other players, Hank Aaron and them. They was around a little after him, but they had to go through the same thing, you know, to come into them sports and dominate, you know, the way we do. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those that know or don't know, I'm a, a Ph.D. student in the history department at University of Illinois. I only mention that because the professor that I taught under, that I was a T.A. for last uh, semester, Dr. Burgos, he wrote a book called Playing America's Game. Mm-hmm. And it was about uh, the color line in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So he talks about uh, the process by which, you know, eventually Jackie Robinson was the first black player. But even before then... There were players with African roots that, you know, and it, it was an, some, somewhat a negotiated process between team owners, the public's perception, and, you know, prevailing racial norms at the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you know, uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot of history there. I only mention it for those that, you know, are, are interested in following up. But, yeah, you know, shout out Jackie Robinson. You know, shout out to Jackie Robinson. Rest in peace, man. So, uh, you know, keep it rolling. Uh, we actually, uh, we'll, we'll play the clip real quick. So this is from uh, Senator uh, Mitch McConnell. And uh, so and he was asked about uh, voting uh, statistics between, you know, uh, you know, different races. Yeah. So uh, just listen closely to what he has to say, and then uh, we'll come back and uh, discuss it. What's your message for voters of color who are concerned that without the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act, they're not going to be able to vote in the midterm? Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. A recent survey, uh, 94% of Americans thought it was easy to vote. Uh, This is not a problem. Well, as y'all can see, Y'all heard that. Did y'all hear what we heard? 
You know, did y'all did y'all uh catch what we caught? You know? Hey, you let them talk long enough, Aki. They gonna tell you. They gonna tell on themselves. The devil always tell on himself. He clearly said, "Black Americans vote at the same rate as Americans." He didn't say white Americans. He didn't say white Americans. He he just said Americans, right? Americans. That's no Mexican American. That's what I heard too, Aki. So why y'all niggas still think y'all the same? Why y'all still think y'all part of this? Why y'all still think? You American They'll sit there And tell you this They already don't treat you Fair They already don't treat you Like an American Standard of American Is in the constitution They ain't never upheld That with you As a matter of fact They've used the constitution When the whole concept Of America was Conceived You was written Into the constitution As other Than them A non-American Mm-hmm yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you yeah, you gotta let the good old boys, you know what I'm saying? Uh some good old boys tell you what it is. You know, learn learn your lesson wisely. You know. And we sitting out here trying to vote and arguing, trying to get one of our own into office. For what? Is that gonna make him an American? Or her an American? Would that make the rest of us though? And that that's the eventual goal that's the pipe dream that they've been selling us for a century plus hey two of them are going on two of them yeah i mean that, that was the that the fail safe plan for colon, co- colonialism in the west in the americas was if you can't fully enslave them assimilate them mm-hmm. a lot of our um, politicians at the time was learning a lot of different things from Brazil, learning things from other South American countries and how they tried to make this um, matismo, you know, type group and dominance in the country, even though it's like the same thing in Brazil. You go to Brazil right now, couldn't tell if them people was white or not, right? But the people who run the countries is clearly white, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, it's all about... um. Understanding assimilation is an American project. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We and we we definitely trying to buy into this bullshit. I don't really know why, but we're trying to buy into it. We don't got no working history to tell us that's gonna work out. But you know, um so, and, and and also it's not for I mean assimilation, like they want us to be assimilated to the degree where we keep on chasing after this incremental yeah process towards full inclusion yeah you know that's how they that's how they want us as a group assimilated because they know it'll never happen yeah they designed it to be such you know this modern world that capitalism has structured mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying is such that you know black people under this current system are not meant to be equals mm-hmm. you know and uh that that truth exists even within the context of this country the u.s yeah uh, so yeah, Aki. I mean, it's something we gotta we gotta stop that shit, man. I mean, you know, we, you know, as nationalists, you know, we try to nail down on that because we always, we you know, we never confused about the identity crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even though all nationalists don't have the same name term wise as identity, we understand that we ain't that. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying we've always understood that we not Americans. We not American citizens. Um. My, my, hey, my biggest problem with what McConnell said was that 
we didn't have a name that we chose exactly for him to for him to refer us by yeah yeah that's the, the, yeah. that's the worst thing about it yeah to that's me. the worst thing about it right there we that we don't have a name like you know um he, he said african american uh, african americans yeah uh and even though i understand i know what he's saying that's still not a term that was chosen by the people you know what I'm saying? I mean, and it speaks somewhat to our second-class citizenship. Exactly. You know, As we, Malcolm said. Which is all that's possible if we're trying to be an American. It, it, we, uh, there's some folks that feel like it's divinely ordained yeah. by God himself that we would be on this centuries-long process mm-hmm. uh, to eventually become fully included into some shitty ass country like the U.S. Well, that's that's people that they got this current argument now about critical race theory. When you take that and you apply, but critical race theory speaks on the fact that racism is here. It's a part of the American fabric. It's not going nowhere. So when they conceived this shit, mm-hmm. this this American thing, you were outside. But like we said on previous episodes, Aki, we got folks like Kimberly Crenshaw who is uh, discussing. Uh, critical race theory in terms of it being uh kind of defining it uh, defining it around this incremental process towards full inclusion yeah when kimberly crenshaw gets interviewed by the major news platforms mm-hmm. about critical race theory she she talks about incrementalism yeah not about racism being endemic to this country yeah. anti-black racism being endemic to this country and be, that's because she's she's on there to sell something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, she's trying to sell books. Uh, yeah, sell Shit books like uh, or, or and sell the dream. And sell the dream because that's what her career and her placement in these white liberal institutions on. rest on. Our key rest on. I mean, you know, um, it, it's only natural in in white supremacy to try to absorb. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's rebel elements. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, especially, you know, being a black male, knowing how we have to interact with this white supremacist system, we a target mm. off the rip. Um, I think we've, and then that, that shows art that shows something that goes on right now. You know, you, we're very clear. You, you a target if you, especially if you know you're a target. Yeah, you're a target definitely if you know you're a target because you're moving like you know you're a target, and they know you're a target. I think this nigga's onto us. Exactly, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you know what I'm saying when you moving like that. We understand that notion a little bit more. So that's why you see a lot of, especially black males and young black males, we rebel against what this is, but then we have that um, attachment to it because we've been. Raised in this shit mm-hmm. You know And we were sold That type of idea Sometimes in the homes And in the media And things of that Such nature So we You know We broadly describing You know what I'm saying The black male perspective To our collective condition Yeah Right So just with that uh, Perspective established Let's keep it moving Aki Gotcha And Let's talk uh, I mean let, Let's talk uh, This article we seen From PS Mag Right and shout out to Tia San Johnson because yeah. he's the first one uh, on his social media that you know brought it to light for us. Shout out to Bigger Sign and uh, this kind of gets into uh, the nuances, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, even it says it in the article. Uh, it gets into the nuances uh, surrounding sexuality and masculinity. Yeah, when it comes to how black people are perceived in this country mm-hmm. and how stereotypes are uh, put on people, right? And so this article is discussing 
uh, the fact that in this study, gay black men, uh, which was communicated on job resumes through participation in, say, gay student unions at a college, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, gay black men performed better uh as potential candidates with for uh you know hiring pro- yeah. uh for, uh within companies right they perform better than straight black men yeah and you know the study has uh scientific ways that they established for the readers yeah. uh to a significant enough degree that you know these participants were gay if you're part of a gay student union in college you list that on your resume it, it certainly is affecting the reader of it yeah so, um, you know, and the article ends off, uh, I'll read this real quick, Aki, then we'll get your, you know, response. So, organizational behavior researcher and Huffington Post contra- uh, contributor John Fitzgerald Gates also weighed in on the findings, arguing that effeminate stereotypes of homosexuality may be counteracting the traditional stereotypes of a dangerous and threatening black heterosexual masculinity. Wow. So this is now even being discussed in Huffington Post. Mm. You know, where a few years ago, Aki, we know that the advances in black male studies were not as commonly found in some of these places, right? Yeah. Uh, But this nuancing of what it means to be black and straight in this society and being seen and read as such, right, without certain signifiers that you're different, right? Mm -hmm. A signifier like your membership into the homosexual or LGBTQ yeah. community, yeah. signifiers like that can, in fact, through the research we're seeing, protect people from anti-black racist abuse yeah. and targeting. Yeah, yeah. And when, th- there was a previous article we seen Aki, which was about uh, was which was a bias study, mm-hmm. which uh, you know looked at people's biases, like the momentary type of reactions that they have to people. And, you know, once uh, they perceive somebody as uh, homosexual, if they were a black man, it it also for uh, within that study showed how uh, homo uh, homosexual identity protected mm. uh, people from, like they said, the stereotypes of threatening black heterosexual masculinity. Wow. I mean, you know. I, I, I've, I've heard of this before and, and, and I think I've read something a while back about it. This right here, it sort of exposes a lot of little things, though, this little article right here. I'm tripping because it's literally saying that to be black, male, and gay offers you higher opportunities and higher salaries. It says in the article that they beat out, they says that white men, gay white men, and then heterosexual black men earn slightly lower salaries. Than black male and gay, it's sort of like having that um, um, that uh, intersectionality, you know what I'm saying, race, you know, sex, race, and class type thing going on, you know. Whereas they have a trifecta, and don't get me wrong, um, that may be a way to analyze, you know, uh, the data on black males, and that's that, especially being a black male studies advocate, you know, that's that's data that we do need to know, you know, um. Just to, to know how our experience as black male based in sexuality can actually affect, 
you know what I'm saying, how we eat and how we live. It sort of points out even to a more target that a heterosexual male is seen as a damn threat. I mean, think about what that's how, how that's a threat to the heterosexual parent of black people. Yeah. I you mean, know? that's it's deep. It can get deep. Yeah, we, you know, did, you know, that I always say the attack, if you look at where the attack is directed, you can always tell what's the what's the um the the target. You can always tell what's the what's the who who the main who the main person you got to neutralize. And so when you look at the black community and you see these type of things right here, even they play it seems like it's like a play of males against males. It's like a, a a divide and conquer type thing, you know. What happens when you got males out there demanding jobs, black males demanding jobs in the communities and things of that such nature, you know, how does this how does this type of thing right here affect that type of interaction? Because could I get the gay black male to side with me just as a black male in this fight? To get black men, you know what I'm saying? These, these are types of uh, little things that the system can get a hold of and use against us. But the actual study of it is needed because it's one of those experiences that we have to have. We got to we got to know that that exists. Even though I think a lot of black males know that. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, um, feel it. Yeah, feel it. If 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 he have never experienced, he may have seen it, but yeah, definitely feels it. It's you know, cause we we to be heterosexual is a threat, mm-hmm. um, in white supremacy, because white supremacy is heterosexual, or, or that's to say pa- patriarchal, mm-hmm. and so black black maleness is an existential threat. Yeah, to white patriarchy. Yeah, right. The, yeah, and it. it the the more we learn about it, the deeper it gets, Aki. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, we're having some studies, quantitative studies, right, yeah. that is looking at how, how this is, you know, having a, an effect, yeah. a discernible effect, one that we can study on our society. Yeah. But I'm also interested in the ways in which, you know, just starting from the beginning somewhat of, of that relationship between white patriarchal hegemony. Yeah. And this colonial power that grew, you know what I'm saying, these hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And their encounter with African men, you know, African labor in the creation of this modern world. Yeah. How does that threat that exists there, you know what I'm saying, or or that develops within that relationship, how 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 does that threat seep into so many aspects of our society? You know, uh mm-hmm. discernible in TV and popular culture, yeah, and 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 media, but also on things like hiring hiring practices, yeah. because I doubt that these supervisors would ever ascribe to themselves uh, a some type of phobia against straight black men or yeah. some type of uh, preference. You know, they, they yeah. wouldn't state no preference for gay black men. Yeah, but we can see sociologically that there is a preference. Yeah, that a significant one. Yeah. In a scientific sense, it's significant enough for researchers to uh, to talk about it though in the ways that they do. Yeah. So um, I'm interested in how how that seeping effect uh, really isn't you know you know how how it grows and how it seeps into our society. I mean, in the in, in the context of now and the climate that we in, just in our society, it's perfect timing for it. 
for for it to grow in intensity yeah. and really show itself nakedly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely time for they time you know white supremacy times this shit well. Mm. And it's you, been bubbling in a ways that now it's boiling over. Yeah, you know, um, just on the principle that we 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 know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this too, that even even with that, um, you know. Even with this going on, those black gay males ain't safe in those companies. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they're not safe in those companies. They're not free from discrimination and things like that. They just get the opportunity to earn the salary, mm-hmm. you know. So we always got to remember that. And, and I think you're right, Aki. And, you know, that maybe that should be a goal for this podcast this year. They get the experiences of... Uh, homosexual black people or black women on this podcast because mm-hmm. uh i'm I, i've read and heard from gay black men their experiences with their masculinity and its perception uh you know what i'm saying and how it differs between when they're in the office versus when they're walking on the street yeah you know what i'm saying and also i'm, I'm curious you know what are black women's experiences right yeah with being uh I guess it's with experiencing this uh, worshiping, pedestaling by white liberal society. Mm. You know, their infatuation, the current infatuation with black girl magic. And maybe that kind of brings us to the next uh, topic. Uh, Biden is saying that, you know, he wants to nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, there was a poll that came out that said people of color lar- largely do not even support that. Uh, where they like no, you should consider all people. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is not me saying that uh, black women's perspective is not important. Yeah. I, I my critique is mainly just about the colonial aspects of the state itself. Yeah. And you know how you know a black woman on the Supreme Court, if anything, would confuse yeah. the youth to confuse our movement for national liberation. Yeah, as opposed to uh, maybe empowering it, uh, yeah. I think I think that danger is there. I mean, we, we I mean we got to think we just came out of Obama, right? And was, <laughs> that that confused a lot of kids. You know what I'm saying? And but I will say we came out of Obama, and when they tried to give us, uh, you know, your girl, Kamala, yeah, K- Kamala, K- Kamala, when they tried to give us Kamala, we didn't really bite on that too much. Mm-hmm. So. Um, no, we didn't buy. We didn't really buy that at at all. Yeah, so I mean, like, I'm thinking we, we may be thinking a little wise she, on this. But yeah. we, remember too, when they say people of color, they ain't just talking about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that includes the 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 Indian American, the lat or uh, the Latino or Mexican American. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It includes a lot of other people of color. You know, um, so of course I can I'm a, I'm a understand why they're going to um, come up and say that. Think so. Think think about how the how high the contradictions are rising, Aki. Because we're talk, we just mentioned a few minutes ago how the naked display of anti-black maleness mm-hmm. is is rising up, is bubbling up, it's becoming more intense and more intellectually mature. Yeah. In some ways, right? Yeah. On the other hand, you're seeing the popular promotion and worship of black womanhood by a racist white society. Yeah. At the same time, think about the contradiction between that and just how it truly is rising up. More and more people are taking notice of it. Of it. 
whilst more and more people are becoming more deluded to stay with their head in the sand? Well, I mean, I gotta say it. Um, the biggest thing with assimilation and integration is that there's a reward for your betrayal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that reward is, to some extent, I guess, I don't want to say peace of mind. It's finances, comfortability, you know. Um, which a black man or a black nationalist or revolutionary can never be comfortable in this shit. You know, at the end of the day, we never can be comfortable in this. And so, when you're talking like that, it offers them something, you know. Um, that's why you still see it, people biting at it. Um, we live in a society that sells... You know, money as success. You know, so a lot of it and, has to do with the culture. And you know? money as success and brands as liberation. Yeah. Brands as progress. Yeah. And I mean... Don't even own the brand, but it's a brand. I mean, and the next topic, the final topic is also, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter again. And Patrice Cullors, her new book tour uh, on her abolitionist handbook, you, and we spoke before on this podcast yeah. about how you know abolition is this uh, non-revolution. People talk about its revolutionary elements, but I agree with Joy James's article uh, in Black Perspectives called "You Know Airbrushing Revolution for the Sake of Abolition." Yeah, right. And uh, which is especially in, in need for us to read again. It came out in 2020, but it's good that we read it again because uh, think about how. Patrice Cullors, uh, within a year of uh, nationwide black grassroots critique about her leadership, mishandling of funds, undemocratic decision making as a leader of the yeah. Black Lives Matter movement, you know, over a dozen chapters calling out the leadership publicly. But what happens in 2022? We have Patrice Cullors getting interviewed alongside Angela Davis. Hmm, yeah. Right. Who has a history of oh, uh, of uh, these type of politics alongside her radicalness, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's somebody with a terrible outfit on. But we ain't gonna go there. <laughs> no, we not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I encourage y'all to check that out. It's uh, just Google. I mean, YouTube. In conversation, Angela Davis and uh, Patrice Colors to see the panel that we're talking about. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, and we talked about it before. Abolition, you know, uh, it, it's uh, it, it, I don't know. It, it's just a, another business venture for I yeah. think I more mean, than it, anything else. I mean, let's just be real. If we look at abolition in the early years in the black community, um, one abolitionists was having debates all the time with each other. Not all abolitionists saw it the same way. Um, some black nationalists were called abolitionists, you know, when they really should have been called freedom fighters. I think abolitionists was the word then that they used for, you know, people who were trying to free Negroes. Mm -hmm. But it meant something completely different for black people. We always seen a person that was an abolitionist is trying to free us, but that don't mean we always agree with their methods. A lot of abolitionists was tied to the state in a sense of that they were appealing to white people and, and asking for white finances and things of that such nature, you know. 
at the same time, you had abolitionists that was um, doing the African immigration, E, not with, with the E, not with the I. Mm-hmm. Those were the black groups. And those people were actually trying to establish settlements, free black people, and they did not believe that black people could achieve their freedom just here in the United States. So those are also people that was in the early black to, or back to Africa movement in the 1800s. It's a catch word. It's a catchy yeah, word. I, you know. I think for a lot of the, these folks, it's a catchy word. It's, to Be- me, it's an, integra- it's, they're making it, it's an integrationist term as it's being used today. Yeah. I, I, if you look at the politics of the people that use this term the most. It's something to get academics on board. There you go. It's simple. It's easier to say abolitionist than it is to say freedom fighter, revolutionary, black liberation. Black, you know what I'm saying? You black know, nationalist. Yeah, we, we don't have to have we don't have to have any type of comparison between the nationalist politics of Black Lives Matter and the Black Power, uh, like the Black Panthers. Yeah. Right. It, 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 this is about the aestheticization of struggle. Mm-hmm. That's what abolition is. Well, it's like you know. I mean, because look, Patrice Cullors, her actual politics can be protected with the uh, prominence of this abolition catchword that's selling a yeah. lot of books and selling a lot of book tours and lecture yeah. series right now. Mm-hmm. And also, we talked about this performance uh, around black womanhood. Yeah, you know, uh, and how you know Angela Davis and Patrice Cullors can get on here. Uh, within a year of this grassroots kind of backlash against Patrice Cullors. But she's protected from it. In her interview with Mark Lamont Hill, she's protected from it. Yeah. You know, and, and the actual attacks on her that are unjust related to her race or something that was threatening her life yeah. that was taking place maybe around the same time. Yeah. Those getting limp, lumped in with the actual critique and both of, both of them just being cast aside. Yeah. As if she still represents a true vision of leadership. What, where, where our, where are our standards? Aki? Yeah. Well, I had said you already know. We talk about this all the time. In order to have standards, you got to have a culture. Culture sets the standards. Right. And so, if you don't have a culture, or the culture that you have was given to you by your oppressor or your colonizer, then um, you're going to have a culture with his standards. So we're moving according to his standards. Um, it's like it is in any society, you know, um, when they come in, you know, they, they're going to, they're going to attack what they see to be the threat first, neutralize it. And then they work on the rest of them. Um, for the, for the ladies right now, abolitionists, they don't want to be perceived as a revolutionary. They don't want to be perceived as a black liberationist. In large part. Yeah. There are outliers to that for sure. Yeah. um, In the sense of that, we all know it ain't easy to be that. That's not the the easy route. That's not the... the but, safest route, but, but you say you're an abolitionist. But see, that's it, different. It, if know? through abolition you can make your everyday conduct and activities as an individual, if everything you do as an individual can become abolitionist, yeah, then that way that's that's just one way of of hollowing out what revolution. Yeah, is. It's, it's really it's like a real shitty mock, right? Because right. when they talk about you know ab- they, 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 she spoke about. Um, she said, we want to establish an abolitionist culture. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is an abolitionist culture? I know what a revolutionary culture is. Mm-hmm. I know what a black nationalist culture is. I don't know what a uh, abolitionist culture is. And when I think about abolitionist culture, it's a culture where there is no standards. There is no, I mean, I don't care what nobody tells me on that level. Humans love freedom. But you know what they love more than freedom? Order. Mm. 
They love more. They love that more than freedom. The minute we all free to do what we want to do, you ladies and, and men ain't going to want that world. Because that means whoever the strongest is the toughest. And whoever the toughest rules. You know, um, as much as I, I have a belief in man's, the humanness of man and his ability to live on higher, you know, um, um, or thinking in higher ways and you you take that you take man and leave man unchecked without standards man can become a savage you know and so like in this sense we looking at this abolitionist thing it's like it's a softer word than revolutionary it's a softer it's a soft way of saying i ain't gonna buck too hard mm-hmm. i ain't gonna rebel too hard you say you're a nationalist nigga i ain't even a part of this Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's summing up real talk. The minute throw nationalists on that, it's like, oh, he don't even think he's a part of this. You know, and they know where to go. And they, like you said, abolition. This is an easy way, especially to transverse through academia. Thank you, Aki. You ain't getting the same amount of book deals yeah. as a black nationalist. Yeah, you're not getting the same amount of speaking tours and and invites to the national news media yeah. if you're a revolutionary black nationalist. Yeah. Oh, you're an abolitionist? Well, shit, we abolish slavery. Yeah, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, yeah. because I mean, what happened after they so-called abolished slavery? Oh, now we got sharecropping, penal slavery. Trails uh, say 1877. Th- thank you, Aki. So, I mean, yeah, white people is not as threatened by abolition. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because, because it, that just sounds like a more intense word for reform. Yeah. Because if abolition was really about abolition, we're going to abolish, tear down this structure. Then you wouldn't mind calling yourself a revolutionary. Yeah. At the and, end of the day. And we gotta remember too, when abolition was being thrown around popularly back in the day, we had a community. It's a whole different scenario. And we, oh yeah, we had uh, we had leaders that were accountable yeah. to the black community. Yeah, we had we had a now, now we have leaders that are accountable to platforms. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Platforms that we don't manage. Yeah, we were more united than even though we had differences. Mm-hmm. We were more united then on some basic things. So, like, you know, you know, it's, it's a little turn that's thrown out right now. It's probably going to be the big turn. Um, we already know the term revolutionary and black nationalist has been getting hell for maybe the last 20 years in academia. You know, or, and not just academia. I would say mainstream activism. And that, that's where it, it's in academia. It's in mainstream activism. It's in politics. Yeah. But where else is it? Is 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 abolition, you know, really an organizing vehicle for the black community? Yeah. Uh, for the I'm talking about the working class black community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not the college uh, graduates, the college students and professors. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the actual working class black community. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, I key. Yeah, I key. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the same old story over again. I mean. I mean, we we talk often, and I tell we talk about how I seen you know we seen the commercialization of the you know the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we seen the movement and the achievements and the things we did be looked back on as you know um, they were they were recognized and acknowledged, but they used it like fads. You know, we seen this with Black Lives Matter. You know, you see, you see him. You see a red, black, and green flag. Everybody holding up fist and shit like that. And you think, oh shit, we got some red, black, and green shit. Till you hear him talk. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then you hear something different. And so that's when I started seeing like we using this, people are using the 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 symbols, the slang, the terms, the aesthetics, the aesthetics of the movement for financial gain. Mm-hmm. And but what takes place is that white people ain't comfortable with that. So you got to come up with something new. Your abolitionism, mm-hmm. you know, you got to come up with something like that. They can mess with that because it was white abolitionists. And now the the best <laughs> you know the, the best selling forms of abolition are the everyday abolition, right? Yeah. Or how you can be an abolitionist in your own family. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We're not talking about national prolonged struggle through revolutionary institutions that are separate and confronting dominant institutions yeah. you know what I'm saying we're talking about getting the seats at the table of the yeah. dominant institutions we ain't talking self-reliance right we're yeah. talking about getting a seat at the table yeah you know to enact the uh, the uh, and if you try to get a seat at the table that ain't self-determination nor self-reliance you know you know we, we you know it's, it, it's just something that they coming with now you know um this shit's been changing you know it's been changing and it's been going through um just know that Akita G ain't an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. Black nationalist. New African nationalist. Now, we might abolish some shit on the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're going to abolish the system. Right. But I, uh, as far as getting down with where this movement, yeah. this this modern abolitionist yeah. movement is headed, nah, Aki, I'm right there with you, Aki. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just and so, it. I hate to say it, I, it if I... There's only a few people I trust nowadays who who write books. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, this ain't the era when, you know, you can pretty much guarantee. So now everybody's writing books on stuff. Now she got a book. It's a, a manual. Let's say it's a manual. Everyday abolitionism. Mm-hmm. Every day you wake up, you own some Frederick Douglass, John Brown shit. Every but day. At the top of the interview, they asked, uh, Mark Lamont Hill asked her, are you still part of the Black Lives Matter movement? She said, no, no. I'm charting a new course. New course. You know, so. The, abolitionism. The, Screw the, black nationalism. <laughs> liberation and all that shit. Because they talked about black liberation. I won't say they said black nationalism, but they definitely talked about black liberation. Fuck all that. Charting a new course. Yeah, abolitionism. You know, no accountability needed for the mistakes. Or if you're trying to hold them accountable, you get lumped in to the people that are attacking them. That's why you got to have an abolitionist culture. Because abolitionist culture ain't got no standards. You got a black nationalist culture, you got standards. Nigga, what happened to the money? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to be doing. Where the money at? You got that money? You got right. that bread? Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't want to. Th- they talk about transformative justice. What about the transformative justice? Yo, the the grassroots Black Lives Matter chapter tried to apply to that as Patrice Colors, and it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. refused that transformative justice. So you know, when or, you got a track record like that, man, you can't come out and talk that abolition shit. You know, I mean, I, I'm gonna be real. Is people may disagree with Frederick Douglass on some things, but he ain't get ninety million. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> neither did Malcolm, neither did yeah, Martin. None, none, none of you know these cats, Martin Delaney, none of them. They got they didn't get that bread like that. Matter of fact, you know they were from an era where we had our own papers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, you see, uh, you see who these so-called abolitionists stay far away from too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Now we seen a year or two ago throughout the South a big movement of black gun holders. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that were black nationalists. Yeah, you know, but uh. We didn't see any lines of camaraderie, 
yeah. between these elitist abolitionists. Spoke against You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, aren't they talking about the same thing? Don't they want the abolition of the carceral state? Yeah. But, see, they're actually enacting a separate form of power. Yeah. A separate power. that They're not, they're not trying to integrate into white power. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to build black power. But, uh, see, this is where you're seeing the two politics diverge, Aki. You already know how America do. America gone. But, hey, you know, the brothers with the guns down south, you know, and the sisters with the guns down south, yeah. they didn't they didn't read that the abolitionist handbook, Aki. They didn't read that. Yeah, they didn't read saying? that. They, 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 I so mean, they, they stuck in the past. You know I, and I say this, if they did read the abolitionist handbook, the abolitionist they probably read was my man, you know, Robert F. Williams. <laughs> hey, hey, exactly. You know what I'm saying? He was a black nationalist, abolitionist, uh, 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 new African nationalists and all that other but type. See, you don't have to trace. You don't have to trace your politics through none of that. You can just say, well, civil rights and black power movements were chauvinistic and and dominated by black men, and were there improvement on that because were elite black women, successful black women, mm-hmm. right? And uh, basically, the question stopped there. I mean, what what else needs to be said? I mean, as, as White society will legitimize and fund you, you know what I'm saying, if you hold that stance, like it is. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's the easiest stance because guess what? The threat ain't there. Mm-hmm. Goes back to what we talked about earlier. Not only is the threat not there, you're you're helping exercise their philosophy by yeah. by referencing, you know, a movement of the past in that type of way. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we got to just be mindful of it. We got to remember that um, the same way you got, pe- uh, you know, the human beings, we divide it. Um, we create culture, and we also pass on culture. Mm-hmm. And so what I would tell to a man or a woman, black man or black woman, what culture are you passing on to your kids? Is it the modern, Americanized, homogenized? Abolitionist culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Abolitionist culture. Or is it a black nationalist, black liberation, Afrocentric, if you want to call it, culture? You know, that's rooted in principles and standards that come from our ancestors, from our people, and that is in harmony with nature. Mm. You know, um, we often hear that aspect. We wouldn't be in harmony with nature. Y'all ain't nothing about y'all in harmony with nature. Because it's not in the nature of the black man to submit. Mm. You know, and that's why black nationalists are needed. We We represent that field. We ain't submitted. You know, America is what it is. Yeah, we built this bitch. Didn't do it on our own will, but <laughs> we did it. We waiting for the moment where we can put our shoulder into its back and tip it over. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? saying? We, we waiting for the moment we can tip this bitch over. You know, and if anything, carve out a city state. <laughs> car, car, carve out car, car, carve out a land state, a nation state. Or something, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But people, it's good chit-chatting with you. You know, mm-hmm. today. Been episode 39. Hope y'all enjoyed it. You know, we um, hope we give you something to do, think on and dwell over these next couple of days. Hopefully, wherever you are, you ain't as chilly as we is up in Illinois. You know what I'm saying? But um, if not, you know, stay warm. Stay peaceful. You know, go get your abolitionist handbook manual. <laughs> you know, on sale now. They say it's a uh, what New York Times bestseller. Oh, yeah. You know, I might get it just to read that and laugh at it, but I don't know if I can stomach it. You know? New York Times bestseller. That shit is a sham. <laughs> okay, we got to stop because we're going to keep going. Yeah, yeah that, that shit's a straight sham right now. <laughs> but, uh, all right, y'all. Hey, till next time, keep it warm, man. Yeah. Peace. Peace.